Welcome to Book Rising, a podcast by the Radical Books Collective. Welcome to our Mehfil. I'm your host, Amrita Ghosh. Let me set the mood for this Mehfil by reciting this beautiful couplet composed by Uday Bansal. Tumhari taal se betal, dunya tumhari shok se gafil hai. Takalluf chhod bhi do, aao, ye tumhari hi mehfil hai. This roughly translates as, cast aside your inhibitions and be a part of our celebrations. Today's episode is called Counter Blockbusters. And yes, we'll be talking about Bollywood blockbusters, but not in the way you expect. The focus is on cool, alternative, subversive, independent films that give us a very different version of India. We have two great guests, writer, poet, lyricist, screenwriter, Hussein Hedri joins us from Bombay. And I'm hoping he can give us an inside look into the film industry. Our second guest is film scholar and cinephile Alka Kurian, who joins us from Seattle and might be able to tell us what's wrong with Bollywood and what we should really be watching. Welcome to the studio, Hussein and Alka. Thank you. Hi, Amita. Thank you so much. Hi, Thank you. So we are here to talk about current trends in Indian cinema. And it's quite an interesting time, as we know, with Indian films getting accolades in the West. The Golden Globes, and the Oscars have shown us how popular very nationalist films like RRR have gotten this global spotlight with their songs going viral and so on. So my first question is for both of you. How do you understand this recent trend of nationalist films like Bhatan RRR in India? Do you think it's like a symptom of a post-pandemic excitement where people just want to be out and about or is this yet another phase of nation-building films, which you know historically we know has happened all throughout? I'll tell you if you can. Oh, why don't you go first? No, I would. Uh, you want me to go first? Okay. Yes. Well, I think this is indeed a very interesting question. You know, why we're seeing uh, a spot of these kind of films? Um, but talking in particular about Bhutan, I would say that. Um, you know, it's it's while on this on the surface it looks fantastic to an uninformed audience. You would know the you know the the history to the the, the surprising success uh, and an expected success of Bhutan, because I think uh, before we talk about Bhutan's popularity, we need to think about where the you know the central character of one of the central characters, um, the hero um, Bhutan, comes from, because the trajectory hasn't been very easy for him. You know, as as you would agree, you know, like um, Shah Rukh Khan being a Muslim um, person, you know, acting in Bollywood uh, in a way that you know is moving away from its secular agenda that used to be the case until let's say about two decades ago. So he's located at this very interesting you know crossroads of popularity and demonization. You know, for example, in 2015, when you know he made a comment about you know India becoming intolerant. He's immediately sort of dissed and gaslighted, and compared to the worst of the terrorists by some some ministers, uh, you know, of the of the regime, right? Yes. And then, of course, we see in 2021, his son uh, was jailed on fabricated cases of drug peddling or drug possession, etc. You know, and the right wing trolls at that time they clamored against the film before the film was released. They clamored against the film featuring 
you know, Muslim heroes, and they call for like this bizarre expression, like a muk, a Khan muk Bollywood, right? Mm-hmm. And what does Khan do? He just keeps a low profile. And I'm also reminded of the comment, uh, a similar kind of a comment that Amir Khan and his then wife Kiran Rao had made about, you know, like them f- f- being you know, filled with a sense of despair and despondency, you know, what kind of an India this is, and if it, it instantly they're, they're trolled. So they all begin to sort of keep a low profile. And as we learn that Khan hit the gym, something that we see, you know, so wonderfully, so beautifully, the results of in, in the, in, um, in, in, in Bataan. So I think we need to sort of keep that, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wonder if, so, you know, Hussein wanted to say something to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's a very wonderful way to put it. Like, he is in the crossroads between popularity and demonization. Uh, I, I, uh, <clears throat> like, I see RRR and Pathan very differently. I think they're two very different films. They are located uh, very differently. They cannot uh, perhaps be categorized in the single dimension of a blockbuster only. Hmm. While, of course, I mean that is. Uh, the similarity that both of them are large-scale films, uh, which are supposed to provide a spectacle to the audience, which are yeah. supposed to provide action to the audience, which is uh, right now the belief that this is only what will draw people to the theaters post-pandemic, like Amit mentioned. Yeah. Uh, uh, however, I, I uh, do place uh, a film like Pathan and RRR very uh, separately uh, in terms of what you're talking about. Hmm. Uh, and uh, how they are talking about is pretty similar in in terms of scale. Yes. Uh, and but they're also very pro-Indian, like they're very nationalist in their core. I was about to say that they are also nationalistic. Uh, that that is one way to look at it. But uh, it is very different. Uh, I mean, uh, to look at the nationalism that Pathan says and talks about, and uh, it's not that it is flawless and it is perfect. <laughs> It's, it's it's a different kind of uh, nationalism or rather patriotism that they are talking about. I think Pathan, uh, I, when I look at RRR, I look at it as a film which is uh, a major film in, in the part of the larger gamut of films that are coming in the last seven or eight years, which are reshaping the Indian history, which, mm. are, which is a retelling of Indian history where uh, uh, there is a Hindu nationalist overtone. There are Hindu heroes uh, being glorified. I mean, whether it's uh, Manikarnika, whether it's Prithiraj Chauhan in that league, I mean, those, uh, yeah. Mm. And it does, uh, I mean, caters to the, I mean, it does cater to the kind of uh, Hindu nationalist uh, rhetoric of uh, the present regime in India. Mm. Pathan, on the other hand, what it does, like I said, it's it's not a proper, it's it's not a, the most appropriate and the perfect nationalist quote patriotic film. It has its own issues. Uh, uh, is is that to keep a Muslim name as the protagonist, while Muslims are uh, on the periphery in RRR, they are invisibilized. They are not the heroes. They're just some guys randomly. They have taken an alibi off. The one of the protagonists has taken an alibi off, and then the Muslim narrative dissolves. It, 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 the whole film in the first half is about India's freedom struggle, and then it becomes how uh, the Hindu, quote unquote, has uh, got India freedom, or they are fighting for freedom. Pathan, on the other hand, is not that. Pathan, uh, actually, what Pathan, uh, why I uh, 
do not like that film for different other reasons uh why i like that film is because it is subversive as much as it is pandering to the nationalism <laughs> it is as subversive as it is pandering because mm. there are many things in pathan that they have done to keep a muslim um, keep a muslim protagonist in the film industry anybody coming from the film industry would tell you that it is not very easy to keep a muslim protagonist it is not easy to release a film with the name pathan in in this era uh at this scale uh it is also uh there are many things which have been shown in that like for example there's there's an afghan family that uh, afghan village that ends up saving india uh there are many things that uh, like an isi agent is is of course matlab has allegiance to pakistan but then she says things like even our people won't want that kind of things to the people of for, for the people of india so mm-hmm. there is uh, it's i think it is harking back to it is it is shifting the gear i mean ultra nationalism which is probably running on the fourth gear right now it's it's mm-hmm. gearing dialing it down to the second gear which was perhaps the old syntax of uh, nationalism in movies indian movies in 20 years back so mm-hmm. the dialing down basically says that okay we have to say that there are good and bad people in every community i want to say also, that i i do yeah. Hussein so I, I think that ha huh, there there are two different films uh, there are, there is element of subversion and counter narrative hmm. in pathan as much as there is a problematic narrative in politics uh, right and i just i just wanted to sort of say that um, you know um, so so what i said earlier was, was about you know the the pre release of the film you know the history yeah. of hmm. and then you if you compare sharukh khan's history with the the history of the two characters in rrr around which the narrative is constructed right so those characters are embedded they they come from the telugu region right you know nationalist heroes uh not historical historical sort of figures you know who then become mythologized and fictionalized mm. in the film so so then so if you make this very interesting sort of you know comment on the location of patan as this muslim named hero and mm-hmm. then we have the location of these two heroes uh, in rrr one of them is is a hindu um, you know belongs to the upper caste and the other person belongs to the adivasi caste i mean he's an adivasi person who also masquerades momentarily as a muslim yes. so you know yes. in that in that too you have in a way that you know we we could argue that both the films diversify or both the films actually risk centering alternative identities in the narrative right so in patan you have the you know you have you know three alternative identities you have you know two muslim people you have rubaina khan rubaia khan and patan himself and then you have john abraham who's you know who's was a christian person so you have these three minority identities that are center stage Can I quickly intervene though I'm thinking and I'm agreeing with both of you but here Pathan is also somewhat of a mysterious muslim character because it's told that he's an orphan and we don't exactly know about his lineage whether he's a true muslim or not so how really subversive are these mechanisms operating and you know I'm so, go on go on yeah i mean see the thing is that uh, location uh, becomes identity locations I mean of course it it has been shied away from I mean the film is I mean I don't personally have a problem with the, that shying away I'll tell you why I mean I understand I I get that argument it's the reason why I don't feel is because I understand how bold and how daring and what a huge risk it is to name a film Pathan in the film industry hmm. to go ahead with a muslim protagonist and with a muslim name without really saying that it is that 
branding mm-hmm. it as an action film and as a masala film entertainer and things like that uh i think i would i mean i would uh be okay with that uh in rrr however the difference between the location over here and that is that uh uh in an era where uh muslims are demonized or hate speeches are are videos are seen every day in every uh, like several parts of the country uh, every day uh <clears throat> to keep that as protagonist is very different from keeping keeping a diversified uh cast portfolio of hindu characters hmm. and then making them heroes i mean if, like even if you look at rrr i mean the kind of people who have been made heroes there's one scene in which uh, um uh this guy says that okay let's uh, get that sergeant hmm. and he's trying to provoke to get uh, a hold of who's actually behind uh, to get that girl young uh, girl so uh, it's it's that bharat mata ki jai bangla speaking Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is, is is that not a reference to uh, there's a Bharat Mata over there? Even that Vande Matram, cloaked in uh, that that uh, Vande Matram flag, and uh, and you know the main protagonist coining the term Jal Jangan Zabin in the end. I mean, there's a whole credit sequence which has Sardar Patel, which has everybody that essentially RSS wants to appropriate. Yes. It excludes Gandhi. It excludes uh, uh, Nehru. Were they not part of the freedom struggle? Was was Bande Matram the only slogan being said at the time? Mm. Uh, I mean, there were movement-specific slogans that were said at the time. I mean, every time you see a Ram uh, Mandir and uh, there's a small idol of Ram, and this person will go and respectfully touch, and uh, and even from a gender point of view, I mean, if you differentiate between the film, Pathan has female characters which are strong. because character is strong you may disagree with the execution of it and the cheesiness of it and the mainstreamness of it that is fine but look are good people good women be happy in portraying the character in rrr or good women good women perhaps be happy in portraying a strong agent character of uh, i mean uh, you you get my point right there be there is also very fetishized and glamorized <laughs> guzzling you know female uh, protagonist and you know it's very objectified i'm i'm critical of even Patan. john abraham is objectified even charu khan is objectified yes, with the ads she's obliterated from the film whereas john abraham is still the very last scene and also kashmir let's talk about the oh yes 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 that, that's what i said it has a lot of problematic politics yeah, and it, uh, it does but yeah. if you just sort of talk about you know the gender politics over here so um you know so the one thing that we uh, the one sort of parallel that we can draw between the two films or where the you know the 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 impossibility of the parallel is that um you know pathan is this major blockbuster north indian uh bomb bollywood film and you have mm. rrr this telugu film that is you know super, that took everyone by surprise right yes so um you know and particularly in india i think the success of rrr in in the western world is what you know surprised people in india they didn't expect that mm-hmm. so so shahrukh khan despite the trouble history that he comes from right the legacy the band the you know the the baggage that he carries and the way in which he he subverts that baggage is totally different to the kind of baggage that a film like rrr had to face you know it's a telugu film at a time of uh, doing so well at a time when uh, you know the whole world mostly you know it lives in this you know ignorance that all indian films are bollywood films so you have this regional film 
which is actually the second largest film producing you know regional industry in india mm-hmm. uh, it's it's so it comes number 2 after hindi cinema but actually it makes more films than bollywood and many of the bollywood films are actually telugu remakes right so mm-hmm. given the history given the history the kind of popularity that rrr managed to to acquire a year before pathan comes right so we we need to be we need to think about that but um and also the fact that you know uh, one of the reasons you know it's 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 uh, the film is you know its production value the film is like a fantasy film you know where you know you have these people doing the most impossible kind of you know stunt scenes and things like that and given the kind of uh, you know the popularity of the two actors that you have you know one is like ntr junior and the other person you know he's like extremely popular in in andhra pradesh and the other person is extremely popular in telangana so these putting these two narrative putting the putting these truths sort of you know actors together and bringing their own fan clubs together that itself is a, is a feat but then for the film to become to hit the begin to hit the charts only when if i'm on right in understanding that only when netflix re- netflix releases the film yeah. in hindi in its dubbed version in hindi the pathan is in hindi stroke urdu right wow. uh, but the telugu film dubbed in hindi is released in on netflix you know netflix does these kind of things as well you know it's sort of um, it released even bahubali in hindi right True. so we need to sort of think about Yes, you know the two films can't be compared, but at the same time, we also need to sort of locate them within the politics of the north-south north-south divide, mm-hmm. within the politics of this linguistic hegemony. You know, yeah. where the film will only yes. do well if it's sort of dubbed in Hindi, which so many critics, you know, for example, Monica Mehta has said that um, have said that you know it sort of undermines under undermines the authenticity. Now, mm-hmm. I just want to quickly talk about the you know the gender politics in both the films. Someone like um, so you have ram and sita right yeah the, the character ram is actually deeply troubled he's like a deeply flawed hero right mm-hmm. he you know you know sucks up to the brits and of course we know the given the history of his his background you know his father you know really was sort of uh, he his his i mean he's forever been wanting sort of like lays hands on 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 guns on weapons right so which is probably the reason why he wants to sort of become part of that you know the uber colonial sort of zone but even then so he he becomes part of that he beats up people from his own character now the film has also been you know equated with lagan lagan is successful again it's a hindi film is a apakas hindu male actor a male character then apakas hindu female actor a female character and the dalits are you know on the you know they're marginalized so also very so, anti colonial in their sort of rhetoric right no anti colonial but yeah. but but i just want to so quickly come back to the gender politics so the filmmaker is you know he projects himself as secular which is actually quite ironic because he his film comes across as so deeply steeped in a particular kind of hindutva ideology that we are seeing today but he also says that he cons- considers himself to be a secular and a great fan of ayn rand and you know atlas shrugged and and fountain head and all where you know he's very much in, inspired by the sheer determination of characters but he gives a twist to gender politics because it's not sita who's going to be rescued it is ram who needs to be rescued mm. you know so so and of course the film is also situated historically you know the the eroticization of the female character if if patan was made it was i think the 
RRR is set in 1920s or something like that. If Pathan was set at that time, you couldn't have had the actress like Deepika Padukone be completely eroticized, you know. So it's it's uh, and have that kind of an agency. But I just want to sort of trouble that, you know, like it's while it's easy to it's 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 good to look at these two as parallel narratives, you know, these blockbusters. But also, one needs to historicize it. One needs to sort of look at it from the from the lens of gender politics that was possible now and which is not possible 20 years or 100 years ago and you know you both have talked about the sort of subversive yet very nationalistic uh, cores of the two films uh, one more than the other and that the masses have been captivated by these two films in very separate ways or in similar ways um, towards the nationalist core um, of indian politics right now can you recall other films in the past that have set up this kind of hypnotic spell, but have also been politically this kind of having this kind of problems on the surface? I mean, you have films like Roja. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Roja for, you know, for having been given, being promoted by the state, you know, being shown tax free, you know, projecting this particular kind of a narrative that is set in Kashmir, you know, this. Yes. Hindutva narrative, anti-minoritarian narrative, you know, the the Muslims are sort of demonized. Uh, the other film, which is also very interesting from that point of view, is Dilse. You know, it's hugely totally. popular blockbuster. Yeah. And, and, uh, and in the northeast of the country. Yeah. But interestingly, um, I, in fact, you know, I used to teach in England and... Um, you know, I, it was like when Dilse was released, I was sort of slowly moving into cultural studies because I used to teach, you know, European languages, I used to teach French. I was moving into South Asian or, you know, post-colonial cultural studies. And one of the first Bollywood films that I saw after a gap of 10 years was Dilse. And I was showing this to my class, to my, to my you know, uh, gender studies class, um, gender and cultural studies class, and I was showing it in a theater with a capacity of 200 people. So I saw it on the big screen. I could not sleep that night. My God, those images kept sort of revolving in my head. And later to read that the film actually tanked in India initially. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like, why would such a film tank? And then research, you know, I did, had to do a lot of research and it seems that the film tanked because the female character is a terrorist, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have this female character as a terrorist, you know, you, so again, once again, the gender politics is deeply troubled, right? Because in Roja, the female character is the victim, you know, she needs to yeah. be rescued. She's, you know, oh no, she's, she's not a victim. Of course, she, she goes to rescue her husband. But, but in this, in this film, in Dilse, the female character is a terrorist, which, you know, was deeply troubling. And it's the, the hero tries to rescue her, but he cannot tame her. It's sort of, his journey into the cinema becomes, into this narrative becomes a journey of education. You say, well, did you not know what's happening in the Northeast of the country? So that I thought was really interesting. So instead of being rescued, instead of, sorry, instead of trying to, instead of being able to rescue the girl, the, the heroine, he mm -hmm. ends up dying with the heroine. You know, he perishes along with her. So I just thought it was really very interesting. That is very interesting. And I was even thinking of Chuck Day, but that, you know, that's another conversation. Hussein, did you think about any other films that come to mind? Yeah, so, so first I'd like to correct uh, something that I said that, that there were even men being objectified, but Bhakti saying that uh, uh, women also have a different history of objectification. So I stand corrected over there. I, I, I think that is a fair point. I do stand corrected over there. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, what is the film? I, I actually, uh, I think this, this might uh, end up looking very bad for at least anybody in the film industry ends up 
hearing me. Uh, I was about to say Bombay, but I think you have covered Dilsher Roja. <laughs> so this is uh, right there. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, like it's if I watch it I, I, now, I don't know if it, it, it things were done deliberately or. Uh, but it, it's and it is of course i mean clearly i mean the common link in all the three films is money ratnam it's it's not deliberate and i mean we haven't come up with the examples i didn't know what you're going to come up with uh, i had uh, it, it's it's just coincidence ki teeno ek hi filmmaker ki hai uh, but yeah but uh, i think perhaps the surprise of this comes because these films were revered so much when they had come perhaps uh, these films are being mentioned now because uh, people have had a late realization of the potency of the poetic propaganda that was uh, fed to them uh, in the past and that uh, the realization now or at least to people like me now i mean i did like roja i mean not perhaps roja but i did like bombay very much when i had watched it right so uh, i mean my disappointment uh, actually uh, Uh, comes from that. I mean, there are several scenes in the film. Like, there's one one on police brutality. Like, Arvind Swami, as a journalist, goes and speaks to the police, and he's talking about, um, you know, you have uh, opened fire on unarmed people, and he's like, yeah, but they were pelting stones yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were attacking us. Yeah. And then he says that uh, yes, but you can't shoot them just like that. You have to take other things. And he's like, yeah, but what to do? There was a lot of chaos. And then he's like, but don't you know that Muslims were killed more? and uh, there were very less hindus and uh, he says yes so what can i do and then the policeman gives a justification which is uh, you don't think i am a human being you don't think i have to go back to my family you don't uh, you don't know the kind of fear that you have when there is so much of the mob chasing you and things like that and that is why we had to do what we had to do and then arun swami says and then he says that do you trust us or not Yeah. so then he says yes yes sir we trust you and what you are doing is uh, correct and we understand we are also you and you know how much we trust you so <laughs> i i was when i saw that scene i was like this guy knows the arguments it's carefully uh, thought out right it's yes he ha- he knows the dynamics of this yeah. what is happening over here but he chooses to take it there and then withdraw it yeah in, in that scene if if you also look at the violent scenes in in bombay uh, 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 when the riot quote unquote riot actually riot. begins yes yeah the, the cuts are made in such a way that uh, bal thakre and uh, the muslim person who is leading hmm. both of them look like they are equals and both of them are provoking it like equals that's such a great example actually that yes. and and that is not how it is is bal thakre equal to any was bal thakre equal to any muslim leader in bombay at the time yeah has there ever been a muslim leader in bombay which has been even close to bal thakre <laughs> that is not how it has happened also uh, <laughs> like the babri masjid demolition how how has that been shown in the film hmm. there are newspaper cuttings and yeah. there is a dome dome which is shown in a faded faded uh, background and uh, the way it, it it's shown in a dissolved way as if it's it, it's a passage of time that has passed and then you see the image of an empty slum and a muslim man comes out uh, say with a sword or a hand raised and he said uh, he says allah akbar yeah oh my what God. is a more potent image to remember the babri masjid demolition or a muslim man saying allah akbar that is that is so interesting um 
um you know like it's really interesting what heather uh, sorry hussein you're saying um about you know like the kind of uh, a very carefully crafted argument right yes uh, which which leads you to believe that uh, the the person that you you know the character that we're seeing or even the narrative that we're seeing is not you know they're not totally bigoted they they come from a very informed but they are bigoted but they come they come from a very informed position right and they're making that particular kind of a choice the other two films are kind of uh one of the films that comes very close to that is um that also comes close to that is fana there's one yes. of the first films you know you have this muslim protagonist you know centered who's shown as this you know you know this kind of a romantic tour guide to immediately turning into a terrorist but even within his own sub you know persona he talks about the ways in which he too is manipulated so why the film projected projects him the film is like sort of framed in a way nationalistic uh, framework right so the film starts with sare jahan se acha you know the mother telling the blind daughter her blind daughter you know turn towards the image of the turn towards where the flag is positioned and you know there's sare jahan se acha so um but but the muslim victim although he's victimized he also wears the uh, he's also he he he's aware of the ways in which members of his own community are manipulating him and the other film that you know uh, has this kind of a conversation also is heather mm. you know, where they actually do talk about um no in in uh, fana tabu's character talks about the referendum that never happened you mean in heather um tabu in heather talks no, about no, it in fana tabu is the is the cop you know when she comes in the plane you know she so she's 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 talking to kajol's character come on where's your husband where's your husband you know can you tell us where he is hmm. so when someone in the you know in talent in the intelligence agency she works at the intelligence agency someone in the intelligence agency or her boss in the intelligence agency he says well you know what are you doing over here why don't you go and make custard for your daughter you know so she's the one who knows who knows what the with the stakes are, and she says you know the referendum never happened so it's yeah. very interesting a film that is framed in a nationalistic term that kills the, the muslim terrorist mm-hmm. also complicates the argument you know why why the kashmiri people are angry you know where the rage comes from one of the things that we actually haven't talked about at all is the role played by the fans you know a, a lot of these films are successful in particular a film like patan became successful to the extent that it did there was no marketing you know there was no formal marketing only sharukh khan sort of launching a question and you know, releasing a question on on twitter you know ask me anything but then it's his fans who build up this you know this whole ecosystem of buying the tickets and the tickets in advance even buying tickets you know uh, even if they're not going to watch the films you know so i think we need to sort of remember the role of the fans yeah, yeah. within the theaters too i mean you know when i watched it in the us the entire crowd creating a certain kind of atmosphere cheering especially at very problematic moments of national calling you know th- those yeah. are things to watch out for but you know i want to move away from uh blockbusters into what we are calling counter blockbusters right and there's obviously an alternative landscape of films that hide beneath this popular dominant hindi film industry new streaming platforms have made it possible for all of us to access really in- interesting independent cinema and it was much harder when i was younger to really get access to such films i recently watched um 
on Netflix a film called Sir by Rohan Aguera. Uh, and I really liked it very much. Um, what is the scenario today? Are there films you can think of that are pushing these boundaries and ways of subversive topics, issues, narratives? Um, are they resisting big block blockbuster cinema, so to speak? I mean, um, I mean, sitting in the sitting in the diaspora, my experience is totally different, you know, because I don't have access to to theater releases of a lot of the films, you know, that Hussein you are able to see. I mean, they do now, of course, you know. A lot of films are coming into. You know, I was going to say, yes. yeah, now they are. Now they are. But I think one of the ways in which this, in you know, a narrative subversion, began to happen was with the rise of the OTT platforms. You know, one of the very first films that I saw was Parched, right? Which, so if you look at um, some of the main, you know, blockbuster cinemas um, of Hindi as well as you know Telugu cinema, because RRR is also about dosti, about friendship between the two men, which in so many ways replicates the dosti of you know characters in Shole and Namakaram and things like that. So a film like Parched. So a lot of these films subvert the narrative by centering on the one hand the narrative on women. And uh, by, but at the same time, using similar kind of tropes of friendship. So a film like Pash is about four women, you know, who are, you know, brutalized by the patriarchal system, but they somehow managed to escape from from there. And then you have films like uh, Lipstick Under My Burka, right? These one. women, women living, you know, like what's her name? Um, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the filmmaker, Lipstick Under My Burka. Um, Alankrita Shivasa, of course, she's phenomenal. So she made lips, lipstick under my burka. Then she made Dolly Kitty and Orvo Chamakte Sitare. And then she made the, uh, oh, I think before that, she made Bombay Begums. So it's really interesting to see the ways in which I see these three films, uh, these three sort of texts text connected. Lipstick under my burka is about these, you know, frustrated women who are not able to sort of, you know, exercise their agency, whether you know, in terms of, you know, their sexual agency or one of the girls, she wants to be a open a beauty parlor, the third person wants to be a musician and how they they use subversive means of exercising their agency, you know, like either, you know, this girl sort of remove, you know, hiding behind the burqa or talking to the other person, talking to her supposed lover on, on the end of the, the phone line. But they can only go so far. The next mm -hmm. film is Dolly Kitty and Chamath Zitari, where actually they leave the small town India and try to go to big town, you know, to big cities, but they're trapped in Greater Noida. They can't go there. They can't mm -hmm. go beyond Greater Noida. And then you have women and their relationships with each other and Bombay and, and you know Bombay Begums, where these women, you know, highly subversive. You know, the, the film is the web series is highly subversive, where you have women, they you know, you have uh, subversive characters, for example, there's a bar dancer, there's a bisexual person, there is a bisexual, you know, uh, character. There is a, a woman who uh, wants to climb the corporate ladder, doesn't want to have children. There's a woman who's in, who has climbed the corporate ladder, but who can't have children. Women that bring questions of, you know, abortion or miscarriages and menopause and, you know, period. I just think it's a fantastically subversive narrative. I'm also thinking not to forget in Dolly Kitty and Wuchamati Sitari, one of the one of the characters, she um, actually works in this company that provides phone sex. Highly subversive. <laughs> <laughs> Hussein, do you want to go next? 
yeah so uh, the ones that i can remember are uh, i think uh, one is fantry oh yes uh, yes i should see that one i should watch it yeah fantry is a film that uh, completely uh, blew me away and uh, i didn't even know that it was what it was about anything i just i was just scrolling and i found out uh but it blew me away because i was first intrigued that it is a pick catcher story hmm. and i have seen pick catchers in in the village that my maternal house was uh maternal grandparents's uh, house was so i was just intrigued ki, okay what the story is going to be like because i've seen them and uh, like right after we had a drain right out, outside our house it was sort of a hutment uh then uh, there is a lot of uh, subversion uh, in the sense that first of all there is a dalit person lower caste person who is the protagonist hmm. and uh, it's not a pity story it's an aspiration dream story that boy wants a girl it's that simple hmm. and it's it humanizes on a different level there it's not talking about pity it's talking about the several limitations that they have it's talking about the everyday humiliation and it also subverts nationalism in a way that i have never encountered it in a extremely poetic film andri i think is a, an extremely poetic film uh, where it subverts nationalism for me is when the national anthem is playing mm. and uh, the boy and the pick catcher are have to freeze and stand as they get humiliated for what they are doing and everybody is laughing at them and i have never seen the national anthem i had a different very different visualization of how i would probably want to show the national anthem uh, before i had seen this film and but i saw this and i was like shit someone has done it and it's it's way better it's not on winning a game it's not on uh, some kind of uh, or victory that the national anthem played i had a different imagination of it sure. and but the way uh, fantry has done it then one film that i quite like uh, in subversion is the uh, it's a recent film uh, you probably see it in, in the coming year uh, it's called kayo kayo color uh, it's a gujarati film hmm. it's a black and white film it's a 4 to 3 aspect ratio uh, it's beautifully shot and the entire film is about i think one or two days in the life of a muslim family in a slum in ahmedabad wow and there is uh, it is it is uh, subversive because there is uh, uh, it's just two days in their lives mother father daughter son four people and just different things that are happening in their life there is a certain economic strain the kind of life they live the kind of food they eat what are their houses like what are their daily activities how do they bide their time it showed many things like this is one thing that i have always wondered about uh, how to show in cinema and it shows that i have i have wanted to show the boredom of children uh, when you are a child how bored you are mm-hmm. because time does not pass and uh, this uh, shahrukh khan chawada who is the maker of the film has been able to show that and it, of course i mean because it's a muslim film it's in a ghetto and they're economically strained and the father is looking for a job and their mom and dad are sometimes fighting and they are doing this you feel like something is going to happen something is going to happen maybe they're going to get attacked you know there's this lingering because there is a state presence uh, i mean 
automatic invisible state presence that you start having whenever you see a Muslim film these days. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, but nothing happens except until the very last scene. And Sounds what happens in the yeah, what happens in the last scene is something Don't that happened to everybody. No, no, it's, it's it's something that happened to everybody. <laughs> so why I like it uh, is because uh, it does not. Uh, I mean, like I said, to make a film with a Muslim protagonist today in, in this country is a huge. I mean, on one spectrum there is Pathan with, with a huge, massive budget, and mm. on this. One end, kayo, kayo, kar, this guy was, uh, was shooting f- wedding videos, but then he started watching international cinema. And you should look at the film just for its aesthetic visual beauty. Wow! It's 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 uh that, so, so that's uh and it's it's subversive because it does not uh it, it gives you a glimpse into the whole family and and it and not just Muslim perspective, also poverty perspective. Like you're poor and there's nothing glorified about it. There's nothing pretty about it. You just live with poverty. Sounds and, amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah so, you know, and, um, uh, um, Nandita Das has recently made this film. Um, yes. Zogato. Zogato. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I'd like to see it, but, but, but it's interesting. You talk about this film that centers poverty because I'm reminded of how until about, let's say, you know, like in films in the, in the sixties and seventies, they used to be out the working class people, right? And then in the 80s, you know, still there's a moment of transition. And then, of course, you have the demonization of minority and that kind of a thing takes over, or the NRI kind of things, NRI kind of films take over. So, um, so it's really interesting you talk about this because uh, what, in addition to um, the, 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 the centering of the ordinary people, mm. you know, that Zogato does um, or this film that you're referring to, what we are also seeing is a centering of older characters, because in the past, older characters are like marginalized. You know, there's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they're like play the role of grandfather, grandmother, mother, and and father, etc. But if you see a film like um, Vad, you know, Sanjay Mishra and um, um, and uh, it's Sanjay Mishra, you know, he's sort of uh, this old man who's, you know, old and poor man who's been abandoned and his wife Nina Gupta they've been abandoned and by the by the only son in whose education they've invested such a lot of money who's gone abroad and these people you know the parents can barely pay for their food and stuff like that the son says of course it's kind of it is also caricatured but that's okay you know because that that's a different thing what I'm talking about is a centering of older people and older mm-hmm. people's narratives, which I think is so subversive because in a way it didn't used to happen in the past, right? And not as a spokesperson of a certain kind of rhetoric, which is the old traditional values that one needs to harken back to. This is no, no, no. this person, there's a scene in which he's massaging Nina Gupta's knees. You know, Nina Gupta has hoisted her sari and you can see the knees of this older woman, you know? So that kind of... Uh, it's like immediately where it's it shows that immediacy, but at the same time shows that sensuality in an older couple, which I thought was so beautiful, mm-hmm. which is different to Badhai Ho, you know, oh, where oh. Nina Gupta she becomes pregnant at the age of 52, but in a way it's like glamorized and Bollywoodized, you know, it's yeah. different. Vad is totally different. Uh, similarly, films like, you know, Once Again, which is a sequel, which is supposed to be a sequel to Lunchbox, you know, this. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, what might happen? Although the filmmaker 
decries this comparison. They don't. They say the filmmaker says, "Don't cheapen my film by comparing it to Lunchbox." But this story is about, I think, the way I'd like to read it. What happened? What would? What might have happened if they'd actually met? You know. So, but they're both in their middle age. This young, this woman is a widow. She has a son who gets married, and all the difficulties of, and you know, starting a relationship again at that age. Mm-hmm. And there was another film um, with Madhuri Dixit where she comes out as lesbian. So these are very interesting subversive narratives that we are seeing these days. So with with, with these older characters and their sexualities and their caste class positionalities and their desires and aspirations are centered, which makes them so subversive and beautiful at the same time. Go on, Hasan. You were going to say something. Yeah. So, what reminds me, and Sanjay Mishra and Old reminds me of another film, which I think is subversive in a very different way. Hmm. Uh, that's Aankh Ho Dekhi. Oh yes. And uh, oh, I mean, I I, I have uh, seen may that. not uh, I may not fully uh, I mean relate with the whole philosophical ab- aspect of the film that I will only believe what I touch. Hmm. But what that film subverts for me, and it, it's extremely painful for me to watch. is uh it shows the uh it shows the partition of a joint family in india it mm-hmm. shows the mm-hmm. it shows the brokenness of the joint family and the dysfunctionality of the indian joint family yeah uh and it shows uh how when a family joint family breaks it rips apart like a cloth mm. and uh i mean there's a shot in it where the bed is being carried from the middle of the house to downstairs yeah. and all and then there's a shot in which they say ki aana bhaiya aana matlab wo yaad karte hain aapko dekhne aana so this mm-hmm. uh, this is something that is that is uh, families in india have gone through in the mm-hmm. last 30 years but nobody has talked about it what we want to talk about families in indian films are the happy things True. what we want to that talk about so right. uh, that is so right in fact um, in a way if i may take the uh the freedom to make a comparison you could compare this film with garam hawa with a different dynamic that rips the families mm-hmm. apart it's mm-hmm. the it's the, the 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 you know the partition and the, mm-hmm. the aftermath of the partition ah. in a way that the same narrative is uh, again centered in a film like manto you know where you have the mm-hmm. central character who cannot decide where he wants to be mm-hmm. so you either have these external factors the political environment the mm-hmm. ideological you know the internalization of some kind of ideological beliefs yeah. you know that rip apart or it's the is social class that you're talking about right and, um, but and, you know i'm thinking uh, sorry to jump in i think in aapko dekhi they implode i think is what happened yeah. they they yeah. break from within and yeah. in garam hawa they it's outside that yeah, it's sorry, outside but at speaking. the same time it is it is the it is embodied uh, this yeah. uh, the break up of the family then becomes embodied in the person of the daughter who kills yeah. herself because she can't take it anymore you yeah. know because because she she sits at this intersection of inclusion rejection inclusion rejection so when it happens to her for the third time acceptance rejection when it happens to her for the third time yeah and take it and why she kills herself mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i'm also thinking that we are giving such amazing examples from the current times um because of the streaming platforms that have created that kind of accessibility and yet subversive cinema and resistant to the larger blockbusters were there in the 60s and 70s you know we were thinking of this parallel cinema what they were called right and they they were there right so i yeah, i guess i guess the streaming platforms have created a certain kind of space 
for the larger reach towards the, those kinds of cinema. And my next question, I'm really interested in uh, Hussein, your take. You are a poet, lyricist, and you're our screenwriter for uh, films, uh, Hindi popular films, or not so popular films, uh, as an insider. Actually, yeah, not so popular. Not so popular. So, but you're an insider, so to speak. Um, so tell us if you feel that things are shifting and transforming with songs, with the film plots or writing itself. Are things getting better or would you say not so much? Yeah, I think I should calculate what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> speaking too much has its own uh, risks associated. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, I, I suppose that uh, um, I think it's a good time uh, only and perhaps only for those who want to make quote-unquote subversive cinema which is going to be uh, counter to the uh, wave of narratives that are going on which are largely nationalistic and uh, uh, communal in nature. Uh, I think that, that one way is to go completely independent and have a low capital uh, investment and then just be at the mercy of film festivals and perhaps some OTT if they choose to take it. Mm. Uh, uh, that is one way. Uh, I don't see any other way of doing that because, uh, I mean, uh, the OTTs, uh, a lot of the producers, most of them at present uh, is, from what I understand, are not uh, willing to take risks which might uh, come with some kind of dissent. Uh, uh, if, if they, they, they are, perhaps they are uh, afraid or concerned that even if the state would sniff any kind of dissent in a film, uh, they would perhaps just go bankrupt the next day. Wow. Perhaps this is the kind of paranoia that they have. I'm perhaps exaggerating also, I may be wrong. But yeah, this is true that if you go with a certain uh, anti-establishment, so to say, uh, film, and uh, it it may end up harming uh, the state's narrative, mm. or at least a narrative that is important to the state. True. Then there, in all probability, either that film uh, would be self-centered, censored by the writer himself. I know how many films I don't know. I don't want to pitch because I know they will not get made. So I think 80% of the work just goes away because I'm self-censoring myself. And there are many writers who are self-censoring them. I'm not the only one. Uh, then it is at the producer level, whether they would want to produce it. Then it is at the actor level and many other things. I mean, would they want to do it? Hmm. And then it is at the distribution level, finance level, and uh, eventually at the distribution level or OTT uh, transition level. So there are... Uh, several stages that uh, one would have to cross. So is it the best time to make any kind of counter uh, subversive cinema? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're willing to go out on a shoestring budget and if you're willing to do it and then you expect no returns and perhaps, I mean, just some glory in film festivals and yes, I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's the best time. And uh, if you want to make a mainstream film, uh, if, if you want to make a mainstream film, like, like Pathan is, I mean, why am I, uh, despite all its problematic politics with respect to Kashmir or many other things for that matter, 
Hmm. Why am I saying that it is a very powerful film uh, and it is not exactly a nationalist film like RRR? Um, RRR is very poetic and potent propaganda. Uh, Pathan is not that. Pathan is different. So why am I saying that? Is because it is very difficult to right now make a 200, 300, 200 crore film, which will be not, which will make uh, the establishment very unhappy and yet to be successful. <laughs> so. and uh, so yeah i mean that's, that's uh, painful to to hear i mean you know we're talking about finances and budgets and what creates the cut um having having said that i'm sorry I, i'm just interrupting you but having said that there are still people who are fighting there are still people who are making that space uh, there are still people who are uh, trying to do things the best way they can in mainstream and uh, i mean i appreciate them and uh, but yes is it very easy and is it, is it uh can it be done by all and or even twice or thrice the number of people who are doing it perhaps not not sorry i had interrupted no, no, no. if i can ask you if i can ask you a question who senses you're from within the industry you know uh, i'm sure there is somewhere between there is a film budget that is between you know the multi crore budget and a shoestring budget like a film like you know a film like uh, oh, a web series like um um sacred games you know it sort of really sort of surfaces the the you know the 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 ways in which the narrative the the grand narrative of india has been sort of completely um completely bought over by you know by religion and it's sort of it, and 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 of course it refers to other things as well like corruption political corruption police corruption and all of those kind of things so those kind of you know i i don't know how much money it costs to make a you know a web series like sacred games no no that that's a very big budget uh okay uh, okay but what about uh, what what about uh, what about dolly kitty i mean of course the film so, itself i don't know how how expensive the budget was so uh, i think right now i think i can safely say uh, that it is very difficult to make something like sacred games or leela in today's times Ah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, in on a channel like Netflix, on and that has something to do with uh, the excessive fear of uh, uh, action that uh, the state has put into the minds of the people in the film industry, hmm. and perhaps one percent uh, the overestimation of what the state can do by the people in the industry. That is true. Well. Perhaps. Yeah. Do you know, so about viewership, though, I mean, do people think about the viewership and the diasporic reach, or is it just about the state and what can happen? No, it's it's a it's actually I think what I understand is that uh, it's become of. I mean, see, there's one thing to have. Uh, it's one thing to have censorship rules, like there are in Iran. You give ten rules, and perhaps five of them are ridiculous. Okay. but i think what is happening in india right now is much more uh, it, it's much more difficult and complex because uh, what happens is that uh, anybody in in the country who is watching the film can now raise a pil or can file a suit against you hmm. and anything can be offensive offensive a woman eating ice cream could be offensive for some reason that they would make up those reasons they would link some kind of muslim link or they would link some kind of insult to the hindu gods to whatever is happening and they will just go at it and i mean uh, so it's just uh, 
so in a way you just don't have to clear a sensor board you just don't have to take a brave step uh, uh, by putting in your capital and your distribution system that your disposal it's it's also uh, <laughs> like kahin se matlab koi bhi aa jayega kuch bhi bolne ke liye baat ye hai तो और घुमाता रहेगा फिर वो एक किसी ऑफिशियल के ऊपर केस कर देगा और वो कहीं रैंडम झारखंड में रांची में कहीं केस कर देगा फिर आपका जो ओटीटी का बंदा है वो जाता रहेगा रांची में डेट उसकी तारीख आती रहेगी तो मतलब That's shocking and painful to hear. I'm thinking that our episode is called Counter Blockbusters, and here we are really talking about um, so many different kinds of subversions that are happening, and yet we are at this messy moment. Um, we have so many different avenues of tools of resistance, yet in a very difficult climate that Hussein and Alka, you both have talked about. What do you think that needs to change? um i mean this is a, such a difficult question because um i mean i um am um, and i don't know whether we can politicize this conversation more than what you know we already <laughs> done um very disappointed with uh, rahul gandhi being disqualified right from the parliament uh because you know he uh, i i didn't think used to think much about him you know but you know like he was this this not a very impressive person who his whose only privilege was or who, this privileged person you know who inherited the gandhi name but over the years he sort of in a way um shown his ability to connect with people right so um i don't know what needs to be done because now he's been even disqualified but hopefully hopefully this might galvanize the opposition to come together and if that narrative that political narrative begins to change maybe the narrative in the in popular culture might also begin to change maybe it will you know slowly begin to dissipate dissipate the fear that makes you know filmmakers self censor themselves thank you hasan yeah uh, like change with respect to what like what needs to change i mean in, in the kind of in the kind of film landscape in the cultural productions i mean you're a part of an industry mm. that is creating uh, a kind of influence in culture the soft power in the country so to speak I don't know I mean there's uh uh there's so much to change I mean I think one would be at a loss uh uh there are massive uh, structural uh, changes that can be affected uh I think one is the dependence on the male actor the superstar male actor that needs to Point. definitely change and that's not just a film industry problem that's also a society problem because the the film making people can easily hard, uh, like counter and say that hey you guys stop liking those films and we'll stop making them yeah which is also not entirely unfair it's not an entirely unfair argument to make it's a business as well they when when you are going to put in crores tens of crores rupees you would want a return for that now so that's because what happens is it it now this may seem very simple that the dependence on the male actor uh, needs to change but what uh, things like this do it it bloats the budget of a film 
when you pay an excessive amount of money to an, a male actor or perhaps even a female actor which is obviously always disproportionately less more often than not uh, uh, then uh, the budget of the film bloats up there are several facilities and there are several uh, other peripheral things that go up and then of course the film cannot there's a lesser probability or rather there's a for higher recovery that needs to be made to recover the costs so that 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 is one of the things the second thing is that perhaps uh, there could be a way because i mean the film industry is not hindi film industry is not a monolith there are several people at work at several places at several points of time and in doing several things and uh, all of them have very different dynamics of working things begin things stop things begin again after 3 years there's no timeline there's no process uh, uh, so uh, perhaps uh, there could be a resolve collective resolve uh, so as to not at least not be petrified of the state it's fine to be scared of the state i i, I presume but not to be shaking in your boots with fear from the state is something that is a minimum request that can happen i mean you can be scared and still not uh, be petrified and then perhaps uh, like uh, uh, there, there has to be some kind of uh, equitable uh, and and again i mean it depends on the people it's not like somebody stopping anyone or this that but uh, there has to be some kind of a distribution uh, of uh, like we made that uh, वो ग्राफ बनाते ना हम जो एक डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कर्व जो बनता है उसमें क्या हो रहा है कि डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन कर्व तो यहाँ पे कुछ अजीब ही है मतलब द मिडिल साइज्ड फिल्म्स आर ऑलमोस्ट एब्सेंट आइदर देर आर वेरी हाई प्रोडक्शन वैल्यू फिल्म्स और वेरी लो स्पेशली फाइव ओनली कंसिडर्ड अभी अभी फिलहाल ये हो गया सो एनी बिटवीन से थर्टी टू हंड्रेड करोड़ वाला बजट वाला है दो वेनिंग in comparison to perhaps previous years yes. so there has to be a distribution curve of that sort so that people who are new making low budget films can graduate and you know even in terms of money and and gain then there are uh, also uh, systematic uh, structural issues which uh, with regards to um, i mean identity politics in terms of caste yes. or religion or gender and uh, which which need which of course i mean like any other industry in the country our hindi film industry is also plagued by it and it, it's also suffers from it i mean look at the credits of any film and you would know uh, you'd make a pyramidal structure of the credits of the film and you would know and you can take any film from the last 30 years and do this exercise and you would know what i'm talking about absolutely so and it's not deliberate it's not like it's the, it's been done with an evil intention it's a lot of it is done out of ignorance and by the general pattern of the society i am no, not no, trying no. to absolve them either yeah. yeah so there are like i said there are many things to be changed i am only just briefly just like in hyperbole i'm just going from one thing to another uh, and 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 yes one last me last point is that one will have to make films uh, which uh, uh, are more perhaps cognizant of their time and place and cognizant of uh, uh, the society that one lives in uh, a, a better reflection of the society if one calls it a reflection of society or a derivative of the society whatever to matlab thoda to samaj se judna padega matlab wapas jo 
टूट गया है मेरे ख्याल से तीस चालीस साल से चालीस पचास साल हो गए एक्चुअली टूटे हुए मिड सेवेंटीज के बाद से और ऐसा नहीं है पूरी तरह से टूट गया है बट एक अनरियल जो एक एलिमेंट है वो बढ़ गया है वो शायद अगर थोड़ा रियल की तरफ जाए तो बेहतर आई थिंक ओवर शॉर्ट टाइम that is absolutely amazing and i think uh, we want to wrap up on this very hopeful note that we are not going to shake within the in the booth i think that's the phrase you used thank you both of you for a very rich and wonderful conversation thank you thank, thank you so much avatar thank you thank you so much alka yeah thank you, thank you.